Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. For another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I've got another great guest. And by the way, folks, I am sitting here in the innovation lab, the innovation space here at the brand new expansion for the Fayetteville Public Library. I got to tell you, if you haven't been here, you need to come check it out. It's absolutely amazing. They've got a sound booth here that Kendrick Lamar would be proud of. I mean, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff happening here at the Fayetteville Public Library. Whatever your cup of tea is, if you're a creator, you need to get down to this space and come check it out. So I'm creating right now because I'm doing a podcast episode and I'm getting to do it in a soundproof room. And I'm sitting here with two really great gentlemen, one of whom that you'll hear from today. I'm, I'm hanging out with Liam Lafarge and Liam works with a company called Mycelium Networks. And I'm here with Rishi Mittal. And Rishi is the founder and CEO of Mycelium. 
and they are a very, very interesting company. And it's, it's, I love Northwest Arkansas because you can connect and relate to people on the simplest of planes. And that's how I connected with Liam and Liam connected me with Rishi. And that's why we're sitting here today, because I think that their story needs to be told. And I wanted to give them this platform to do that. So without further ado, Rishi Mittal from Mycelium Networks. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for uh, just coming and and just checking us out today and and, uh, sharing your story. And I would love for you just to kind of give your superhero origin story to our audience because they're used to hearing that. They want to find out about the people that we talk to here at Northwest Arkansas and why should they care in the first place. But I'd love for you just to kind of give us the cliff note version of your your origin story. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. So I was, I have always been an entrepreneur just at heart, just interested in doing things on my own, interested in creating. And I moved a lot around the South, uh, Mississippi, uh, Texas. Alabama, and eventually to Arkansas in Little Rock. And I spent about seven years in Arkansas after I graduated, actually got my CPA license and was practicing as an accountant, really just getting my feet wet, trying to understand the language of business, uh, and really building a foundation for me to launch my entrepreneurial career. Um, The issue for me was it was just very, very difficult to break in in Little Rock. I mean, I think that this is probably a challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs face is actually breaking into the landscape. And, you know, I spent a lot of time there. I tried a lot of different things. As an entrepreneur, you know, you know, the world is your oyster. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was it was difficult. It was difficult to find a community. It was difficult to find, uh, you know, that thread to hang on to. And it was difficult to find support. But I did move to Northwest Arkansas. A lot of a lot of it was for those reasons. And really everything kind of changed for me. I immediately found myself in a really, really supportive environment for the type of energy that was needed in the entrepreneurial mindset and uh, immediately was able to get to work and get started. And, you know, looking back, it was a fantastic thing. It was something I definitely needed. Uh, And I think it's just, you know, my story is it kind of reiterates the fact that, you know, you can do whatever as an entrepreneur and push and, and try. A lot of it is environment. Yeah, And so to the extent that, you know, you can put yourself in a good environment, that can change everything. So that's kind of how things got started for me. Oh, man, I love that. And you're absolutely right. Environment is everything. And I think one of the things about Northwest Arkansas as a whole is that it is a creator, creator's first environment, right? If you have good ideas, you can really, this is, it's fertile ground. You know, it's like, you know, you want a good, you want to find good soil to plant your seed in, uh, no pun intended. And this idea here that you guys decided to bring Mycelium Networks up here and started as a decentralized network system. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. I think it's profound. And I also think that it was, it was probably, it was probably a good idea. It was probably a good idea because you, you're probably surrounding yourself around some really great people. I had a chance to visit with, visit your office and meet some of the people on your team. And it just seems like everybody is a hundred percent bought into the mission and uh, the mindset of what you're trying to accomplish here. Uh, in Northwest Arkansas with mycelium. So why don't we, just so that we can explain to people, because, you know, if everybody understands the internet. Everybody understands kind of where we are with technology today and the capabilities that we had that just, you know, honestly, 15, 20 years ago, we did not have. The stuff that you can do in, with your phone nowadays is absolutely amazing, but there's still so much more. We're just really scratching the surface. And I think you guys are bringing to the table something that people haven't really considered or thought about, and it's this whole decentralized network. So I'd love for you to kind of give our audience a kind of introduction to this network and what you're trying to do at Mycelium. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big problems that we face today is that with the evolution of networks, and we're talking about all kinds of networks, social media networks, even just the networks that your email and regular communication is based on, how you get your cell phone data delivered to you anywhere in the world. You know, we've really done an impressive job in building out this ecosystem to really serve humanity. But we've been iterating on itself over and over again. And we started off by creating our networks in a centralized way because it solved a lot of problems. But just like anything else, as you continue to advance an idea forward and to chip away at making the system better, you get more and more bought into that system. And so the challenge that we have now is that most of the networks around the world are centralized networks. And it's just now that we're beginning to have the technology at our disposal, as well as you know, being able to understand uh, as a community what the implications of this are. And so the next big push is a push towards decentralization. And this will take time. And it's not to say that all centralized networks are bad and, and all decentralized networks are good. Centralized networks have their pros and cons, as do decentralized networks. But I think what we'll find is that as we approach this point and this set of milestones in society and humanity, that decentralized networks have a much larger place in our world than we've been able to experience. Um, so part of what we do at Mycelium is to actually deploy and usher in these decentralized networks. And one of the first things that we decided to do, like you mentioned, was to build and bring in a new type of network to Northwest Arkansas. I'm not exactly sure why we did it. I felt I think we had to do it once we kind of found out what this was. Um, I've lived in Fayetteville for a number of years. I call this place home. And what I saw was an opportunity to do something really, really big here. Like you said, this is fertile ground. This is fertile ground for ideas, entrepreneurs, projects, ideas to change the world. Yeah. And you know, you won't get that in a lot of places, a, a community that supports that, a, a community that encourages that, and the energy that just kind of fills the air around here. And so we looked at the trend of decentralization, the need and the necessity of this, this transition. And we looked at Northwest Arkansas and we said, yeah, this community can handle this. This community can learn about the implications of this, and this community can make decisions for themselves. But the challenge with Northwest Arkansas, as much as we, we know the potential of this place, it's still kind of a hidden treasure. And, you know, a lot of that ultimately means that we get overlooked, you know, at the global scale. And when it all came down to it, we knew that this would get here. We knew that this would come to Northwest Arkansas, but it would be a couple of years before that happened. So our team came together and we said, let's do this in a big way. Let's deliver to Northwest Arkansas. And let's give our Northwest, Northwest Arkansas community a chance to be at the forefront, inevitable technology from the future. We just want to go ahead and get a head start. And so that's how we started Mycelium Networks. Okay. And so here, there is a unique twist to Mycelium Networks, and that is the fact that this is kind of built with the blockchain in mind, right? And I don't want to scare people that are listening to this that maybe don't understand cryptocurrency or the blockchain. You've heard about it. Maybe you've heard about it on the nightly news. Maybe you have some friends that have some uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum, maybe they got it early on. If that's the case, they may have a lot of money and, and, and you, don't, you're not, you don't know it. But the bottom line is, is that cryptocurrency is still in its infancy stage from an awareness and understanding factor. So we don't, we don't, in this episode, I don't really want to go too deep into it, but I would like you to kind of give us the broad brush strokes of understanding of how blockchain and a decentralized network, how do the two work hand in hand? But we are going to come back and revisit this because I do want to do an episode 
and this is for everybody in the I Am Northwest Arkansas community, we are going to do an episode about cryptocurrency. And we're going to bring Rishi back and some others to kind of talk about cryptocurrency as a whole and why you should not avoid it just because you don't understand it. And so I'd love for you just to kind of kind of just connect the dots just a little bit, you know, give people a taste test of how crypto and the blockchain factors into the work that you're doing with Mycelium. Absolutely. You know, we are a blockchain company. We're a decentralized network deployer. True decentralization needs blockchain. And so that's really kind of how it connects. You know, a, a true decentralized network needs to be able to operate in a decentralized way, which means no central authority. And that's where blockchain comes in. The best way to look at it is this big change that we're seeing in history. Uh, and that's really what it is. Blockchain, as we'll come to realize over the next few years, is as significant of an invention or a development as the light bulb and the, pr the printing press. And, you know, when we figure out, okay, well, what, why? You know, light, that's, that's important. You know, we got light. All, all of a sudden, that's fantastic. Printing press, cool. We can pump out tons of books. But when you look back and you look at how it changed the way that we live our lives, the light bulb meant that we weren't harpooning whales uh, to get oil right. to light candles. Yeah. Um, it really changed the way that societies and economies operated. Same thing with the printing press. All of a sudden, information was immediately transferable in a way that it wasn't before. And we go back and we look at the world before that, and it's hard to believe that we operated that way. So blockchain is very, very similar. In five years, we'll look back and we'll look at this time prior to blockchains being ubiquitous, and we'll just kind of laugh at ourselves and wonder how we did it. So the big change really is trust. We've all grown to trust these centralized networks, and you know we hope <laughs> and pray that people don't abuse their powers. But what decentralization does through blockchain is it ushers in these trustless systems, which means that networks can operate, systems can operate, whether they be monetary systems, information systems, access-based information systems. All of these things can operate without a central custodian, without a central authority. And so the users of these systems don't have to take that leap at the beginning to trust somebody or trust that it was built a certain way or trust that each lever will be pulled when it's supposed to be pulled. Because as we know, and we've seen way too many times, one of the issues with centralized systems is the ability for somebody to improperly execute whatever the system calls for. Or take advantage of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so decentralized systems, they promise to usher in the use of a system with the utility that you would get from a centralized system without having to give up a certain amount of trust. Because if you know how the system's going to work and it's automated. And if everybody buys into that and knows how it works, it really should run on its own. And you don't have that um, ability for somebody to manipulate and to go outside of the system perimeters because everything is truly automated, which makes it also 100% auditable, which is difficult when you have uh, humans making judgment calls. So ultimately, we are a proponent for blockchain-based systems. We're definitely a proponent for decentralized networks. And we do believe that networks that are decentralized in nature will have truly the chance to succeed going forward. And we also believe that there will be multiple blockchains. Um, we're, we're entering into a multiple uh, blockchain world where they all have to kind of coexist and, and work together. So I think that that's really where we're headed. I think that when I talk to students at the university now and, and some of the stuff that they're working on and some of the things that they're learning in their classes, they're going to be very, very well prepared for this new world. Yeah. You know, and I think about it and I, and I, and I get, um, I think you have to almost 
Everybody has to do their homework when it comes to the blockchain to understand it and have some appreciation for what it's all about. When you think of how technology is moving so fast that artwork is being put on the blockchain, that's what non-fungible tokens, certain types of non-fungible tokens can be attached to art. And it's creating a whole new way for people to transact business and for people to share their creations, which I think is really, you know, incredible. I think of a guy that I follow named Gary Vaynerchuk. And Gary Vaynerchuk created this thing called VFriends, and he built it on the Ethereum blockchain. And he created non-fungible token artwork that he then put out and made it available to a wide variety of people. And, and those folks bought it. And now that artwork is worth a lot more. Now, it may not be worth that in 20 years. It may be worth a lot more in 20 years. We just don't know. But we're still at the early stages. And I think people are trying a lot of different ways to create opportunities for blockchain to thrive and to exist and for people to kind of put their arms around it and understand it a better way and say, oh, okay, now I understand what the blockchain is about. And one example that he gave, which I think is really relatable to just about anybody, is just think of the idea that a contract could be put on a blockchain. And that contract could be the contract of you selling your house. And maybe you sell your house with some stake that you keep like 1% of the sale of that house in perpetuity. So that no matter how many times that house changes hands, every time it changes hands, that 1% still goes back to whoever holds that, you know, holds the right to that blockchain. And the thing about that is just like what Rishi was saying earlier is that human beings don't control that piece of it. There's a technology there behind that that controls that information. So there's, it's very hard or very difficult to, you know, mess it up or to create something that uh, is not supposed to be with regard to the blockchain. And I know I'm butchering, you know, kind of the explanation of it, but, but we'll, we'll get into it a little deeper. I want to talk just to kind of lo- a little bit about decentralized networks from the, from the vantage point of some of the basic stuff that you're doing today. Because when Liam explained to me some of the work that you're doing, and I went in and met with some of the people in your office, and they were showing how things are connected. And if you go online, to uh, Mycelium Network's website, I believe, and, and maybe there's some other sites that you can go on. You can kind of see the connectivity of this decentralized network and how it's not Sprint, it's not Verizon, it's not T-Mobile, it's just a decentralized network of connectors and that you don't need the same type of cell towers all over the place that we currently have in a system that a lot of people understand, but that you know the average individual could have a connection point in their home or a farm could have a connection point. And how, how is that applied when it comes to a decentralized network? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things that Mycelium Network started out doing, and you know that's kind of what I was referring to earlier in bringing this technology here. One of the first things that we decided to do was bring Helium to Northwest Arkansas. Now, Helium is a open protocol. It's a spectrum agnostic uh, protocol. And what that means is a lot of people don't know this, but not every internet is created equally, and there are multiple internets. The best way to kind of realize this understanding is to think about, you know, everybody kind of started off with 3G, and then you had 4G, LTE, now everybody's really kind of 5G. And these are really increasing spectrums in the sense that there's more and more data to be transferred, and these higher-end spectrums are better and better at sending tons and tons of data so that you can FaceTime your grandmother from the desert if you want to. But There's also a good use case for lower bands. And a lot of industrial applications, they don't need the FaceTime quality data stream. They still work perfectly fine off of 3G. And so those those lower spectrums are still of use. What we're doing right now is we're launching a 
900 megahertz. So that's sub 1G. And that's a very low band network. And it's specific for use cases for IoT, which is Internet of Things. Internet of Things is basically millions and billions and trillions of sensors, tiny little sensors that transmit small, small amounts of data. They hardly use any power. They don't use a lot of bandwidth, but they do last a long time. They don't use a lot of battery. So a lot of these things can be built disposably and very, very cheaply. And so you can imagine manufacturing processes, industrial processes, logistical processes. This band is actually really, really good for those things. And ultimately, it's cheaper. And that's what we're able to do with the Helium network. The thing that makes Helium different from a lot of these these companies and these groups that have put out networks like this, IoT networks in the past, is that they're centralized. So what makes it different is that this is an open protocol. This is completely open source, which means anybody can jump on it. It's not closed off like a traditional network. It's truly decentralized. And so the IoT band, the Internet of Things band that we're launching right now, we're working with our local partners. We're working with the community. The reason that we do this is because it's decentralized. In a centralized system, we could do everything ourselves, and then we could charge people to access our network. That's not our intention at all. Really, anybody can participate. And we're actually taking steps right now to encourage our community around us to be more involved. But right now, we do partner with our community to help us deploy this network. So instead of one giant device that broadcasts everywhere and everything kind of centrally locates back to it, we have hundreds of smaller devices that connect to each other, all to each other. And much like the blockchain would work for Bitcoin, where you have a bunch of computers around the world communicating with each other, verifying that information and calling out any suspicious you know, receipts or anything like that. We have the same type of system going here. So the more of these nodes that we deploy around the area, the stronger our network gets. Yeah. And it's almost like, so for the average listener here, you could have a node at your house technically, right? And you could have a node, as I said earlier, like maybe at a farm five miles down the road. And those two nodes could technically connect with each other and and talk to each other. But give a couple of examples, like real world use cases that you guys are finding to be of real benefit right now. Yeah, absolutely. So we've always faced this chicken and egg issue, which is what comes first, the network or the use? And really the answer is they kind of have to come at the same time. Right. And so we've been very, very busy building the network, but it's a great question because what are we going to do with it? What, what does this enable? One of the first products that we're testing on the network is essentially a, uh, a rebuild of GPS. So we have these little devices that fit in the palm of your hand. They're called tabs. And what tabs allow you to do is to kind of keep tabs on your belongings. A normal GPS sensor would cost anywhere from $50 to $150. You know, if you think about what you would put on your, on your dog or your cat, throw in your backpack to make sure, you, you know, your laptop doesn't get stolen. You know, they cost a lot of money. They cost a lot of money because there's a lot of technology packed into those things. So generally speaking, you've got a Bluetooth, a Wi-Fi, a cellular, and GPS chip. The hardware is baked into there, and they're all pulling from that battery at the same time. And so in order to kind of find your location on the ground, you're beaming up to a satellite through a central server. You've got a, a GPS account that you're paying $12, $15 a month to kind of keep that connectivity online. And so what we hope to do with this is to kind of, you know, the whole idea is to create a logistical testbed and, and a really a network for that. And so this particular tabs device is a location tracker. And if it doesn't have cellular, it doesn't have Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or GPS, All it has is a battery and one of those sub 1000G antennas or sub 1G antennas that connects to our network. And so we're able to connect 
with all of the nodes in the area and actually pinpoint that location based on where it reports itself. Right. So essentially what this does is if we can get this right and as you know, more and more iterations of the product come out, we'll kind of hone in and, and figure out exactly how to replicate GPS, true GPS, with this. And the best thing about it is since we don't have all of that heavy-duty hardware built in, we don't have all those chips, we don't have all that battery drain, the battery on this lasts up to six months. And so that really kind of changes the game with how, how long we can get devices out in the field. It really changes you know, the cost and, and what we're putting in devices in order to get the same functionality out of it. And ultimately for business, it allows more uptime and that translates into profitability. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was thinking, I know when, when we originally sat down and talked and I was talking to Liam about this, I was thinking of applications that could be employed at a store, at a grocery store, you know, in terms of keeping track of uh, all the refrigeration and keeping track of the uh, humidity in a, in a space. And while they, there is technology for that now, it's all on this other technology that we're talking about that requires all these other hurdles to overcome in order for them to work properly, right? Because if the phone goes out, then there goes your ability to be notified if your refrigerator goes out at your camping lodge. Or if, if you don't have any kind of connectivity up there, then you're, you're kind of toast. But this doesn't necessarily, this has a lot more staying power from that perspective and a lot more use applications that aren't as, I guess, energy intensive and then technology intensive from that perspective. Yeah, I think one of the best ways to look at it is up until this point, we've put everything on the same internet, our fastest internet. So it's kind of like having a six lane interstate and you've got 18 wheelers, you've got sedans, and you've also got bicycles and grandmas walking down it. And what we're really trying to do here with IoT and with this particular band is to slice off a sidewalk and to put that sidewalk next to the interstate for the grandmas and the bicycles to where not only can the 18-wheelers operate at a more efficient rate, but so can our pedestrians. And so this is a efficiency-based approach to where, you know, if you have a, a hunting camp or, or something far away or even a restaurant, you, you want to make sure you know when uh, that temperature drops below 30 degrees or above 30 degrees. You know, you don't need uh, your Wi-Fi or 5G for that. That's a very, very particular sensitive information, of course but you don't need FaceTime streaming, you know, capabilities for that. So this really offers efficiencies on both sides. Yeah. And I like the way you describe that whole idea of the sidewalk. And I'm thinking, well, the difference here being that, like you said, I mean, I don't have to go to T-Mobile to ask for permission to access their 5G network. I can create or come up with a solution on this little piece of sidewalk and employ it and then maybe share it with other people or use it for myself in terms of whatever my needs are. And, you know, you have that capability. And while everybody listening to this may not be have that, you know, Mr. Science or Mrs. Science background or desire to want to create that, just the simple fact that they'll, it'll be easier for people to employ this technology and for the wider population to benefit from it, I think is important to understand. Yeah. And, and you touched on something really important there. It is open for everybody. You don't have to come to us if you want to use it. And that's truly one of the, the features of this decentralized ecosystem that we're entering into, is that everything up until this point has been access-based. And those that grant access are usually the ones that own it. So we're actively deploying a network that we don't necessarily own. We're also not going to be the ones providing data to everybody. Everything really is open. 
So we actually reach out to our partners in our community and ask them to help us host these devices. So really, you know, over 200 people around Northwest Arkansas are our partners in helping deliver uh, this network. And at the same time, whenever it's time to use the network, everybody can use it. There's no barriers to entry. So it's been really important for us to make this IoT endeavor one of our first ones. But we are a blockchain company and a blockchain infrastructure company. And so this is really just the first of many projects that we have to bring to Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. So if, if listening to this, if, I, if I'm listening to this episode, I'm like, wow, that sounds interesting. I'd love to have a node or something like that set up at my house. Is that possible? I mean, do you have people that have, have done that? Yeah, actually, we have a pretty good program. This is kind of one of the staples of what we've done. You know, part of bringing this to Northwest Arkansas has been about education, mm-hmm. you know, really getting the word out there, explaining to people what we're doing, showing how it happens. And as soon as they participate, the benefit that they're providing to the overall network. So we do hand out tabs to everybody who helps us participate. And if that's something that somebody's interested in doing, we have all the information at our website, myceliumnetworks.com. We have an incredible host program, and that's really what it is. If you want to participate, if you want to help us build this network, but you don't really know anything about this stuff, or you don't really know if you want to sign up for anything and do a bunch of stuff, you know, that's really who it's for. And, you know, if you care about your community and, you know, kind of like what we're doing with this technology, we encourage you to sign up as a host. And what that means is we will evaluate your location and we'll take a look. We'll see if we've got an empty area in terms of coverage at your home or your business. And it's very, very easy. You know, we uh, evaluate that. We have somebody contact you, explain everything. And um, ultimately, we don't ask much of you except for allowing us to host this node at your residence or at your business. And in order to kind of give back, we're compensating those hosts depending on the type of setup. We have simple setups as well as a little bit more involved pro setups. But what it does is it allows our hosts to participate in the growth of the network, to feel as if they're actually providing coverage because you are. And the more and more nodes that we have go up, the more and more of your friends that, that do this, the stronger our network gets. And um, just on a, on a national scale, Northwest Arkansas is doing some pretty incredible things. And that's largely due to our host program and the community support. Yeah. And, and I, I got to tell folks, and we'll, we'll put all these uh, links and information on the show notes um, so that way you can connect with Rishi and you can connect with Liam and learn more about this and even contact Mycelium to maybe potentially sign up as a host provider. Because I, I actually did it and I got reached, uh, somebody reached out to me and said, yeah, they, you know, I haven't gone through the other step yet, but I, I ultimately do want to do it if I am a good candidate for that. So I think that that's, that's something that people need to consider because I look at it as, man, how can I help my community a little bit more and create an access point that might be beneficial to the farm up the road that maybe just doesn't have the best connectivity? Because that's the other issue that we're talking about. And, you know, we've we've talked about the, you know, well, we we don't really we don't talk about politics here on this podcast, but we do we do talk about things that we need to do to improve our communities. And one of the things that we're trying to do with this infrastructure bill that they're trying to pass on a federal level is, you know, they want to improve bandwidth and they want to improve improve broadband access because one of the things that we figured out during this pandemic is that a lot of people are deficient in having that connectivity and while this decentralized network is is at a lower level so you're not going to get that 5G you're not going to be able to you know get your episode of housewives of LA with 1G that doesn't work that way you need a much faster speed but it does allow us to take certain things off of that normal network and increase the speed over there while utilizing these decentralized network for things that don't have as heavy of an intensive requirement for speed. 
but yet can still run efficiently. So I think it's exciting what you guys are doing and how, you know, you're kind of opening this up. This is still so brand new. You must feel, I mean, you got to be like a kid in a candy store when it comes to just the endless possibilities of what could be. You must come into work every day like, oh my God, we can do this. Oh my gosh, we can do that. What What is that like? It's awesome. Uh, you're 100% right. Um, you know, that's the most rewarding thing is being around a bunch of people who also see this potential and the possibilities and are working towards that every day. It's really wide open. We're in the very, very early days. Most of what is to come is going to be built on top of networks like this. So we have some really, really amazing programs with entrepreneurs and internships in the area. Students are very, very creative. Uh, entrepreneurs are extremely creative. And really, you know, if we can create a organization that is a platform for building out this future, we want to do that right here in Northwest Arkansas. And, you know, to your point, as an entrepreneur, this is some of the most rewarding stuff when you actually see what you have up here in your brain and, uh, you know, it, it unfolds and other people, you know, you can kind of deliver that message to people and then people can take it and run with it. And, you know, being an entrepreneur is very hard. A lot of times. Amen to that. <laughs> a lot of times uh, I feel like entrepreneurs don't get enough credit for the things that they do. Everybody kind of looks at the, the glamorous side of things. But, you know, most successful entrepreneurs and, and you know, we're all working towards more and more success. But, you know, it, it takes being able to withstand some of that, those tough times. And the hardest part of all that is maintaining belief and man, maintaining that self-motivation throughout the entire process. But if you get there, and you get to that other side and other people begin to kind of see your vision, uh, there's nothing that quite matches that. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, you're, you're wearing that decentralized by nature t-shirt with pride and, and certainly you're walking the walk. So I, I, I do appreciate that. Are you guys doing anything to work with some of the local like high school students or is that going to be? Because it seems like these young kids are the ones that are going to be iterating the fastest, right? When you think of Gen Z and how they think, I look at my kids and how they process information. My 11-year-old can do just about anything on a computer and he doesn't need, like, you know, I'm trying to show him something. He's like, no, give me that, daddy. I got it. And he has it all figured out. And I'm just like, okay, I don't, I'm wasting my time here. This kid's way smarter than I'm ever going to be. But how are you going to, um, have you thought about how you might harness some of that and create opportunities for some of these young kids to take advantage of what you guys are doing? Yeah, you know, that's that's 100% right. You know, we have, I mentioned the internship program. And so you know, a high schooler could, could be eligible for an internship. Sure, absolutely. Okay, great, absolutely. Great. I think okay. our, our youngest intern was 15 years old. And there you go. Yeah. There you go. And, um, you know, that's uh, the part of this that, that gets really exciting. You know, we're here building out this network and we're getting it ready. But there's a lot of students out there that want to launch their careers and, and be entrepreneurs. And all of a sudden, we have a protocol and a system and a network to where you can deliver ideas, build your prototype for essentially nothing. You know, it's, this is a network that is essentially being put out there for everybody. And so if you were tied to needing a Verizon account and having a minimum $29.99 uh, data plan in order to set up some hardware to run some tests, that's essentially free now. And whatever's not free about it, we're committed to giving that data out for free, those sensors out for free. Because what we want is we want students to build entrepreneurs to build and business people to consider looking at what we're building to see if they can build a better version of it on this. And there's a lot of cost savings there. And so a lot of existing businesses will be ported over to the sidewalk and a lot of students will build brand new things that could never have been built before on that interstate on this new sidewalk. So our entrepreneurship program, we're looking for anybody uh, in the Northwest Arkansas area 
who wants to kind of help build on this and we'll give you all the free data and sensors and training that you need to build your dream. And same thing for, for our interns, our students. We're focusing pretty, pretty specifically right now with the University of Arkansas and really excited about some of, the, some of the programs that we have planned with them. But yes, all students, all students are welcome. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I mean, I, I think on that point, that's where we can kind of wrap this up for today because there's still so much I want to talk about, but I, I really want to give us some time to come back. And, you know, I'm hoping you'll come back so that we can do another episode and we can get more into the nitty and the gritty of the blockchain, maybe talk a little bit more about Helium and, you know, how Helium relates to like maybe Dogecoin or to Ethereum or or to Bitcoin and all the stuff that people hear about, but they still don't really have any idea what it is, right? I own a bunch of crypto. I've done my research on it and I'm fine with owning it and it going to zero, but I'm also fine with with owning it and, you know, the upside is there, right? So I certainly want to encourage people to be thinking about the long and short of what the blockchain technology is going to provide for us in the future. And the sooner that you embrace it and understand it, the easier it will be for you to adopt new opportunities when they come about, like mycelium and what you guys are doing here. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and just kind of sharing your knowledge. Before I let you go, though, I mean, when when Rishi is not working, you know, day and night on this, what, what do you do to unwind here in Northwest Arkansas? And what do you love about this area besides what we already talked about? Yeah. So Northwest Arkansas, like I mentioned before, is is my home. And it's really the first time I've ever felt at home. And so what I like to do around Northwest Arkansas when I'm not working and not kind of, you know, at work or building our team or focused on work is just to relax and, and be at home. So I like to take walks with my two dogs. I like to go kayaking with a few buddies. I like to go uh, down to Dixon Street and, and walk around and, and, you know, especially these game days. Oh, my gosh. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just really just embracing the community around, enjoying and watching people be people. and. Uh, just feeling good about what I'm doing here. You have a favorite restaurant? No, I don't. I I, I really like Giraldi's. I know it's a, okay. a hole in the wall. Type no, of that's, favorite, that's some good that, pie. That would some have good to, pizza pie there. So, yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to call a favorite, but um, I got to give Giraldi some props. Okay, cool. Have you been to Pizzeria Ruby yet in Johnson? No. Okay, got to check it out. Chef Michael Robert Shaw. He can make a mean pie. He cut his teeth on the north end of Boston, so he knows about pizza. Okay, so. I highly recommend that you do that. So Fantastic. Well, there. Uh, I love that. So Rishi Mattel, founder and CEO of Mycelium Networks. You can find them at myceliumnetworks.com. And uh, we'll put links to that. That's networks with an S as well, .com. We'll put links to Rishi's contact information, Liam's contact information, as well as the website and additional information that you can find out about what Mycelium is doing. And like I said, Check them out, contact them. They have an online form that you can fill out and find out if you're eligible to put a note up and kind of go from there. And when I say a note, I'm not talking about some ugly dish uh, saucer on the top of your house. Trust me when I say this. When I saw how small these things are, that's a whole nother story. But trust me when I say this, it's, it, you'll be doing a lot of good, not just for yourself, but for the, the network as a whole and for what it means for the future of this area. Because I think that you know, in, in addition to what Mycelium is doing, Northwest Arkansas is on the cutting edge of trying and doing new things. And, and I think we're going to benefit from it in this area in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And that's why I think we're going to be more than adequately prepared to grow like we're supposed to grow by 2045. So, you know, jump on the train, folks. It's there for you. We're, we're waiting at the, uh, at the train station. Just get on because um, this uh, Northwest Arkansas space is, is going to continue to expand. And with people like Rishi Mattel and Liam Lafarge and, and the rest of the folks over at Mycelium Networks, 
the sky is the limit. So Rishi, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. You can also follow the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for a new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.